Hi and welcome to a new episode of The Walk. I'm Father Roderick. And it looks to me as if spring is around the corner. We've had some springtime days a while ago, but then it was followed by lots and lots of rain and strong winds, storms even, and very chilly mornings. But uh, from what I've heard tomorrow... Temperatures are on the rise, so hopefully spring is coming anyway. And I can see here in my neighborhood, almost all the trees now in the, in the gardens of the people are in full bloom. We've got the beautiful pink flowers over there. This tree is covered in beautiful white, tiny little flowers. Absolutely gorgeous. And uh, also the green patches like here uh, between the houses, you've got these in small parks with grass and you see these uh, beautiful yellow daffodils all brightly displaying their beauty. We're, we're getting there and I'm, I'm really looking forward to more sunshine most of all. Uh, it's still Lent as well and I want to talk today about a very important decision that I took at the beginning of Lent and give you uh, uh, kind of an update on what that taught me. Now I made one big decision and it was to go waste free this Lent that was uh, a challenge that I said to myself I I wanted to live with a smaller footprint when it comes to the production of garbage and plastic and all that sort, sort of non-recyclable stuff and that has been a very interesting journey so far I'll talk a little bit more about that in uh, in a video uh, later on because that's that's a there's a, a, a a change coming in the way I'm going to produce my my weekly show. Uh, it's always been a podcast, and I've the, the show itself has had several titles, several names. But now I'm thinking of doing more kind of topical shows. So to take one topic, talk about that, and produce a few um, a few episodes per week, and also produce them uh, not only as audio but also as video to be able to better reach my audience and to allow people to find what I do which is kind of hard if you have a like a general show with lots and lots of different topics um, all packaged into something that is not searchable that's a problem with audio so I'm trying out some uh, new ideas there uh, but that so I'll talk a little bit more about going waste free and, and if that was a success however the, the, big, the other big decision that I took is has much more impact and that is the decision to work less to literally give up working hours for Lent and that sounds so contradictory even to me because isn't Lent all about sacrifice and is it, isn't work and putting effort into stuff isn't that sacrifice so shouldn't I have decided to work more during Lent instead of less however and I think I've mentioned this uh a while ago it's not really giving up something or Lent doesn't have to be miserable Lent is made to help you become more uh, the person that you are called to be it's to listen more to what God asks you to do and that is different for every one of us I'm not in the same situation as you are and so everyone can make personalized choices and for me one of my big uh, health issues for the past two months has been just this ongoing, relentless 
uh, amount of work that was constantly too much for me to handle, which created um, stress, uh, also caused some burnout uh, symptoms, and just the overall feeling like this is unsustainable. I cannot go on like this. So something needs to change. And I decided to make that change at the start of Lent. And instead of working uh, full days of work, to reduce my, the, the work that I put into the, the media work, and that is both my television work and uh, the work for the Dutch Channel, plus this uh, podcasting work and the stuff that I do for Tridio International, to reduce that to 20 hours per day. And even more specifically, to work on Mondays for a full day, so that's eight hours. On Tuesday, to work uh, only the afternoon, because then I have to be live online for my TV show. So that's four hours. That means 12. I've got eight hours left. And to work on Thursdays, to work another eight hours on Thursday, because that's the day that... We are together with the, the entire team. We record our um, talk show. It's a bit noisy here because I'm crossing a bridge. Got the trains on the left side and the cars underneath the bridge on the other side. And then lots and lots of bikes, but you, you can't hear them. Nowadays, a lot of people in the Netherlands have um, assisted, electrically assisted bikes. So you see older people speeding past me at high velocity much faster than I could do because they have a little electronic silent engine that powers their bike <laughs> anyway the um, the decision was was uh, in, in a sense necessary because I felt the need to uh, step back create more margin and give myself time to recover from those early months of the year where I worked way too much. And I, I felt that if I wouldn't do that, then I'd, I'd really get a burnout. So the, the thing that I thought would happen was um, that I'd be completely overwhelmed on the days that I was working with just the amount of stuff that needed to be done in less time. Um, what the actual result was of this decision was it helped so much in making better choices. And ultimately, it, when it comes to the output, it didn't really make that much of a difference. The um, it's, it's so funny. I always felt that... Uh, my ambitions were much bigger than what was actually possible. That's been uh, one of my ongoing problems. It, it's something that is a problem with a lot of creative people. They have way more ideas and tend to underestimate the amount of time that it takes and resources that it takes to realize those ideas. It's very easy to come up with 10 new programs, but it's very difficult to come up with more time when a day itself will still have only 24 hours per day so over the years I've learned to um, not rush into things uh, to plan more carefully to talk uh, uh, with other people about you know the feasibility of certain ideas but this decision of me to work um, about half time instead of full time although that's not entirely true because I always work 
during the weekends as well. But let's say to reduce my time um, for media projects to 20 hours has helped me even more and has accelerated this process of discernment. So what is necessary? What is useful? What is good? Lots of trains today. What is my calling? And what, and that's another question that is very helpful right now, what can I outsource? Because it's not always uh, necessary to tone down your ambitions, but it is, um, this decision has uh, forced me to be much more creative when it comes to um, to outsourcing and rethinking ways in which I produce things. And even sometimes the, the, form, uh, the form of what I do. I'll give you some, a few examples. Um, I've explained that we, for our Dutch channel, we're doing these talk shows. And it's a, it's a lot of fun. I wish I could do that internationally as well. We go to a parish. We find a, a few interesting people with a story to tell. And I record a, a very modest, simple talk show. Um, and we get a lot of great feedback on those. It's, it's a way for us to, um, to kind of move away from our, our offices and, and to meet people where they are, to find the stories where they are. So also to be able to talk about stuff that no one else talks about. Like the, the stories that are too small for a newspaper or for, I don't know, television or radio. We can give some of those stories that we find important, but they're small-scale, a platform that is, I think, growing and growing pretty rapidly. But that talk show, um, I think I've already kind of explained how I film that for now. I'm using three different cameras, two uh, DSLRs and one old camcorder that I still had lying around. And those cameras are not the best. <laughs> one is pretty old. Actually, two are very old and one is newer and I use that for television as well. But they have different um, abilities, different sensors, dif- different um, uh, color, how do you say that? Abilities. So anyway, I end up with three different uh, tracks of video and uh, they, it needs a lot of tweaking to um, to edit that thing, to put, to make sure that you know, when when person one is speaking, the camera is on person one. When you have an audience reaction, you want to see the entire, you know, the overall picture. And then when the presenter is reacting, you want to have the camera on her. All of that has to be done in post-production. And then big audio problem as well, using wireless, uh, uh, wireless uh, lavalier microphones. And I had a ton of... I don't really have a good mixer. I'm using the same device that I'm currently using to record this this episode of The Walk. I'm using that also as a kind of improvised mixer for the audio of the talk show. But when people start laughing very loudly or speak very quietly, um, I, uh, th- my current setup is not unable to process those dynamics. And so you get a lot of... Of, of bad audio um, overmodulated and I just couldn't figure out how to fix it and there was no time to think about how to fix it because we were always kind of running after the train that we just missed so I've, I, I know that if I want to um, work less and still produce that talk show 
I need to solve the technical issues. And uh, this past Monday, I went with Martin to um, uh, a, a store or a, a company that sells professional equipment. And we basically told them what we were trying to do and what would be our our uh, preferred way of producing. And the preferred way is that we would have three identical cameras um, and a, uh, a device that would enable us to, to do the entire edit in real time so that during the conversation I can say camera one, camera two, camera three. Basically, what most companies, most bigger companies always do when they're producing live or semi-live shows. It would also need to have an ability to launch uh, stingers, like the opening clip, uh, or put it in a lower third in place. And all that, also as an extra requirement to make it even trickier, it all has to be very portable, because we have a very small car, my car is like 12 years old, and it's uh, rusty and <laughs> has a very small small um, a luggage compartment. So all that has to fit in the back of this um, old Opel, what is it? No, it's a Ford, Ford Fiesta, I think, of, made in 2001. <laughs> so we had this... We, we stayed there for about two or three hours, and we got so much great help and information, and uh, we have an entire list... Of, of devices that could help us do this and now we're we're, we're debating on uh, what what can we afford what do we need to uh, purchase on a uh, short term uh, to solve the, the the biggest problems and are there things that we can postpone for it because well for instance if you would take these remote cameras they're extremely expensive like even a very mediocre camera will cost you about three and a half thousand per camera and we, we, we need at least three so there's no way in the world that we can spend 16,000 euros on the production of a talk show that only for now reaches between what is it right now 1200 to 2k viewers which is still quite nice if you consider we've only been doing this for about six weeks um, but nevertheless my philosophy is always you have to um, you have to pick to pick the means and the tools that you can actually afford and don't overinvest. It has to be in balance. Sometimes you have to invest a little bit, but a disbalance of 16,000 euros versus uh, 2,000 viewers, that is not, that's not reasonable. So, but it is on the horizon. And uh, I think once we have solved the technical issues and another thing uh, that we discovered is we can use the current Rodecaster Pro that I'm using for the podcasts, we can use that, we can take that with us. It's actually very portable and it will help us solve the audio quality uh, because we can hook up the microphones and then you can use that device and, and hook it up to one of those live switchers. So had I not decided to scale back the time uh, that I'm available for the productions, then we would have pos probably postponed this to you know, the infinite future, sometime when we have time. Well, we will never have time. Now we, are, we have to make these quick decisions and find solutions. So all of that is, is that's just one example. Uh, another example is um, my current mm, podcast produ production. 
I've I've always kind of sat down and recorded about an hour of of uh, it's a chat, you know. I sit down and I have a number of of sections in the podcast just to make it easier for me to prepare. So we talk about movies, we talk a little bit about faith, I talk about technology, books, sometimes food, and for every segment I have a jingle. That still takes about two to three hours of preparation, just coming up with the topics. And sometimes I would force myself to to read a book, to watch a movie, just so I would have something to talk about. Because, well, there has to be a movie segment. The downside of that, I mean, there's an up, there's a reason that I do it like that. And that is, it's easy. It's easy to sit down and, uh, and just chat. It has a big downside as well. It is basically just a chat. So what is the added value? I mean, we live in a time that... Um, the the way people consume even podcasts is very different from the time that I started, you know, 10 years ago, 12 years ago. And in order f- for me to reach an audience, I cannot long I cannot longer be a generalist. That is one of the worst things I can do is to just rely on the 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 fact that people some people know this Father Roderick, but most people like 99.9999999% of the people that listen to podcasts have no clue who I am, don't really care, and have enough other stuff that they can listen to. So uh, I was listening to a, a show, a podcast. I don't even remember which one it was. And they were interviewing this um, comedian. And he said, I wanted to venture into um, stand-up com- comedy on... I think it was on a podcast or perhaps as a video as well on YouTube. So he was thinking, I should do this mega production. I'll do this long form show and it will just be like a stand up show that I normally do in a theater. And then people will, will start to watch that and pay for it. And it became a huge failure because nobody cared. Nobody was sitting down and clicking on a, a video that would take them an hour to watch from someone they didn't know. And so, and then I think so, someone he knew, like a friend told him or said to him, why don't you record a joke, just one joke, and put that up. And that's what he did, so he told a joke, put that one joke up, and got a lot of retweets and re- shares, and uh, it was very easy for him to produce. And then he did another joke the next week, and then he did a few more the week after that. And what he noticed was that because it was so short, and shareable, people would check it out, and they would also uh, uh, b- 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 pay it forward. They would share that with their friend, with other friends. Have you seen this joke? And then he noticed that once people had seen the first joke, they would click on the next one, and the next one, and the next one. And before he knew it, people were watching him, uh, watching or were listening. I think it was mostly watching these these videos. Um, and spending way more time than they would have spent on watching an entire, you know, theater show. And while he was explaining, and it was mostly by accident that he discovered the, the, this, this current form of, of media consumption of most of his potential audience, while he was explaining that, I was like, yeah, that's my problem. That has been my problem for a, for a long time now. I'm doing these long-form podcasts 
that I have a very uh, loyal audience and a fun audience uh, because a lot of you have been listening for years. And so it feels very personal and very, you know, they just enjoy uh, listening. And they don't care that much what I'm talking about. But I noticed that uh, it doesn't grow anymore. And the other problem with podcasting is it's much harder to really measure what's going on. And if my listeners are like me, they are subscribed to a lot of podcasts. And those podcasts are downloaded automatically by their podcasting software. But it may very well be that they are not listening to it. And it's they have this huge backlog of shows. And so the actual reach of the show may be much smaller than the download numbers seem to indicate. And then I started to, well, how can I turn that around? How can I make it more efficient? Um, and how can I make it more effective? Another thing is, like, I have my YouTube channel, with, which has thousands and thousands of followers. I've got social media channels on Facebook. Well, lots of people are taking a walk in the park this morning. I've never seen it this busy. <laughs> Must be uh, like their coffee break or something like that. So, um, I, I, right now when I look at those 20 hours that I have per week, there is no way in the world that I can do anything for my YouTube channel. Um, or do something substantial for Facebook. And I do stream live on Facebook on you know, days that I'm recording this show. And that, you know, reaches, what is it, 12, 14 people at max. And it's fun and I enjoy it. But it's nothing compared to what I could do if I would rethink this entire thing. What do people, what are people interested in? It's what is current what they are themselves are watching or planning to watch movie-wise, uh, what they've heard in the news, and what makes it interesting to listen to what I have to say about it, well, if I have an opinion about that, and not just relay information that they can find anywhere. But it is um, like when with this uh, attack on a uh, uh, tram this past Monday, um, I happened to be, by accident, recording a short uh, vlog for my patrons it's uh, something I want to add to what I do with the uh, after show just a little vlog very very simple give people a little bit of extra um, that helps them um, have a reason to be patron um, And but that day while I was actually recording and putting together that vlog we had this attack by a uh, um, an armed man on a tram and three people died and lots of people were injured and it was a, sh a shock, a huge shock so I recorded a little bit of a, a, a like an on-the-spot reaction to what I was feeling and that got a lot of response and it was like, that is, that is what I need to do more be more current and keep it topical so thinking back to my issues of having not having much time but still having a lot of uh, discarded platforms like YouTube right now or not discarded but ignored or I just don't find the time why don't I record uh, these short videos and I can do that in exactly the same setting that I currently use for the, for the podcast 
and I, I talk for five, six minutes about a topic, bring people up to speed and give them an opinion and invite, invite a conversation. That way, I'm building up uh, uh, an archive of topics, some of which will be very topical and, and linked to modern-day affairs, and, and others will be like faith-related stuff or, I don't know, tips and things that I've discovered may be much more, may be relevant for a longer period of time. doesn't matter. People can pick and choose. And then still take the audio of those, of those talks and put them in the podcast feed. It's still Father Roderick. It's still me talking about the same topics as I've done in, uh, for years in, in this huge, bigger podcast show. Then I would, I would have content that I can put also on YouTube and that is also made for for YouTube in a certain way but that works just as well in in audio because I'm still doing a very personable like uh, let's say it's, it's, it's I'm not trying to perform but it's just me talking <laughs> and and I can do that both on, on video and audio without it changing the style so that, then, of course, I, I uh, pitch that to the patrons. They are my, my helpers, in, in a way. It's a, it's a very nice group of people that can, uh, th- uh, that can help me th- think these things through. And one of, one of the things I do want to do, I know with, uh, when I'm doing changes, you always have to bring people along. So I asked my patrons, what about this, you know, this vlog, uh, w- which would be just for patrons? Would you be okay with that? got a lot of responses like yeah fun yes we'd love it um and then i asked what about if i would instead of doing this one hour sometimes it's like an hour and 10 minutes it's too long uh just chat what if i would do several of those smaller episodes and it would be about one topic and i'd just put them in the podcast feed would that change your listening habits and then well, at least one person who said she was she was much more of a podcast person. She said, I don't, I don't mind. I'll just listen to a, a couple of them in a row. It's, it's not going to change anything. So that was for me a confirmation um, that this may be worth exploring. So that's another thing. And it will save me time because then I can focus more on the, the, the things that actually I care about. And I'm not only... They're trying to force myself to read a book so I can have a book segment on the show. That is, that is really the, the, the upside, upside down way of, of doing this. So hopefully it will help me um, to produce more relevant content. And one of, one of the things I've also learned from doing the Dutch channel, that, that channel is called Catholic Today. And to help us discern what we do for that channel we ask ourselves with everything does it help people to be Catholic today and that can be for people that are already Catholic but it can also be for people that are interested in in this world and it's today so it is about current affairs it is about culture as well it's it's a you know it's not like a closed up approach of like you have to be very Catholic to enjoy it's one of the pitfalls I think of Catholic media is that they are so facing inward and and only targeting the people that are already part of the family and I've always had the opposite 
the desire to do the opposite. It should reach out and show what what it means to to look at the world from a Catholic perspective today. But that question has helped us and it, tremendously to come up with program ideas. And it also avoids the trap of either doing stuff that is too general um, or has no message. Like one of the problems of, of focusing on on uh, entertainment media. It's something that we've always been doing even when I was still uh, uh, just doing these these audio shows about Star Wars and about whatnot, Harry Potter, that sometimes we would forget that we are doing this not to be the best Star Wars or Harry Potter podcast, but we have a message to share. We have a goal. And unless you ask yourself the question, does it help people, you may actually tend to forget that goal and then your content becomes irrelevant and has no distinguishing uh, features compared to other shows that do this in a much better way. You always have to find, well, what is it adding to the to what's already out there instead of duplicating it? And I think I have to bring that same approach to what I do for my international audience, always asking myself, does this help? Is this helpful? Or am I just filling people's time? I'm just looking for entertainment. And I've always had... Uh, relatively easy job explaining why I do the, the walk it's almost an examination of, of conscience and I talk about things but uh, my own let's say my own road itinerary through life <laughs> and uh, and always also thinking about what what am I supposed to do what is God asking me to do and it's a lot of you know, falling down, making mistakes, struggling with stuff, uh, being frustrated, and finding solutions and finding another way to do things and, and, and just sharing that. And hopefully some of that is relatable. But with the podcast, I sometimes feel, I feel that it's, it's, I'm handicapping myself because I don't, uh, I don't choose. I, I, there's no focus. There's not enough focus. So, it's something I think I'm going to try to record when I'm back home. Still on this walk. I'm actually, I should be home because it's lunchtime and the other team members are upstairs, probably waiting for me. That's another thing that I'm just going to try out and see if it saves energy and time and, and improves even what I'm doing. And then there are a few other things. Oh, but also for the for the entire organization for Tridio. It has, I think, opened my eyes, the fact that I decided to work less, to make sure that everything we want to do, all our dreams, that they are first thought through and that we calculate how much it costs. And if we don't do it, if we're, if we, after calculating our resources, the available time, the available uh, equipment people if we find out in advance that something is maybe a good idea would be wonderful in a perfect world or in five years from now but we can't do it right now that we shouldn't promise it we shouldn't talk about it we, the, the thing is you should always under promise and over deliver whereas creative people sometimes tend to over, over promise and under deliver because, well, 
it's like this story that I read as a kid. Famous um, uh, writer, uh, also children's book writer in the Netherlands, uh, wrote the story about uh, dreams of a bo- young boy. And he dreams every night he dreams a dream, but that dream is so real that it is actually real. And in one of those dreams, he ends. He's in a palace, and uh, he's walking there in his pajamas, and everybody greets him as if he were the king. And then the personnel of the castle tells him, "You are invited for dinner." And he enters his room. Oh no! And b- before he enters the, the dining room, he's like, "Can I have, please, the list of things you would like to eat?" He's like, "Oh yeah, cool! I want to have like five different cakes. I want to eat." Uh, candy but I want to have the nice red candy and then those ones with the little sparkles in it and uh, uh, licorice yeah do lots of licorice and I love bread pudding I like ice cream I want to have a lot of ice cream and oh chocolate chocolate do me chocolate when he enters the dining room there is this table that is a mile long and it is filled with cake and all the stuff that he had mentioned and that he dreamt of and he's like his first reaction is oh I want it all and then he takes a bite of a piece of cake he's like oh I love this he takes a bit of ice cream and then while he's still chewing on the ice cream he takes licorice because he also likes that and then he gets sick and he's like I don't want to eat anymore this is too much I can't handle this and and that's kind of the, how the, the the story the fairy tale ends or for that night that dream ends and he's learned an important lesson that your eyes are well, oftentimes bigger than your stomach and that is exactly the kind of story of my life there is so much that I want to do but I would need eternity to work on that we'll never be bored in heaven with eternal life if we if we are creative there's always something else to do but in this world that is still very very much constrained in time and space I have to make choices and have to some well for most of the things that are going through my mind say well that's that's fun we'll write it down but we're not going to follow up on that and that is that is what this uh, Lenten exercise of of working less but doing more or accomplishing more is, is, a, is a very cool, very good lesson. And it ultimately also improves what I do. Because if you have limited possibilities, you'll think much more about, well, what is truly necessary? What is the best thing that I can do with those limited means? So it's all about trying to optimize what you do instead of trying to do everything and then running out of time and energy and doing like things half-baked. It's the focus of a Jedi. You know, Luke Skywalker, when he started his Jedi training, he wanted to do everything at once, and his head was always in the future, in the clouds, and Yoda forces him to focus on the here and now. Make choices. You can't do both. You can't, I can't train you here on Dagobah, and at the same time letting you go to Cloud City to save your friends. You have to make choices, and very tough choices sometimes. But the future of the galaxy depends on it. Well, that's not the case with my life, fortunately. Across the road here. But, um, but it, there, there is also a good allegory in that story. Like, you can't do everything at once. And you have to make choices. And it's okay if you choose something that is different from what Yoda had hoped. It may still end up to be the right choice anyway. Teachers are just teachers, and they make mistakes too. But it is the 
the, the message that you have to choose. You can't be the perfect Jedi at the same time, be this irrational, follow your guts, uh, like I need to do this now. That would be my, uh, my lesson, the, the lesson that I've learned and that I continue to, uh, to learn in the next couple, a couple of weeks. And I hope you have a great Lent as well. Thank you so much for listening for taking the time out of your day to listen to this thank you for the feedback that i sometimes receive and if you are a patron then thank you so much for your financial support as well and well keep an eye on the patreon page because there may be vlogs in the near future i'll keep you posted take care and god bless